0: I do look at the roster and what we have in the coaching staff. We should win games. We have to perform though. We're going to hold ourselves to a no high standard no matter what happens. And the defense is going to do what they do. And last time I heard, they can't win if they don't score points. This is the Cleveland Browns preview show. Your chance to get an in-depth preview of the week ahead in Berea. You're listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. <laughs> your hosts Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry.
1: Week 16 and happy holidays to one and all as we get ready for Saturday and it's hopefully going to be a happy holiday for your Cleveland Browns along the lakefront as we go back to First Energy Stadium and your Cleveland Browns host the New Orleans Saints. Good evening friends. Ken Carmen alongside of Gerard Cherry. It is the Cleveland Browns preview show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Gerard good evening friend. Good evening Kenneth. Hope you have your galoshes for Saturday. We'll talk about that here in a moment. It's time for four downs. First
2: First down. down.
1: First down, first up. Big win for the Browns. 13-3 over the Ravens. A nice job by the defense. Offense around Deshaun Watson continuing to get more comfortable, even with some of the injuries. If you only had one game ball to give out, who would you give it to and why?
3: I thought long and hard about this, and I was torn between two defensive players, Kim. But ultimately... Uh I'm going to settle with Deion Jones. And the reason why is really because of the fact that he got put in a situation where he had two inexperienced guys from a defensive standpoint surrounding him, and the defense found a way to get the job done. Now, ultimately, they gave away a lot of yards, rushing, the, allowing the Ravens to rush the football. But the, I can yeah. appreciate the bend-but-don't-break style in which they play. And when they need to make a play, what they do? They made plays, and he played a pivotal part in that. So I'm going to give it to Dion, but I was torn between he and Denzel Ward.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, I, I like what you said with with Dion, but I am going to pick Denzel Ward. I, I think Denzel stepped up at the right time. You know, I can't explain why Greg Roman decided to throw. I mean, they moved the ball pretty well on the on the ground. Baltimore did, but hey, I'll take I'll take mistakes wherever it was. And Denzel Ward stepped up right when he needed to. Uh, had that tremendous interception that really set sail for the second half for this Browns football team. Bad weather out there at First Energy Stadium. I think offensively, I was happy that they were able to get the run game going against a very stingy Baltimore defense, Gerard. I mean, they came into that game, and hey, they only gave up 13 points in their own right there. But we had talked about that. Last Wednesday, we talked about that in the pregame show, Gerard, where this was a team that came in, and three of their last four games, the most points they had given up was 16 points. Three out of their last four games, they had won. So they were winning ugly, they were going after teams, and they were doing it the right way. So I I give the Browns offense credit being able to find a way to execute and run the football with Nick Chubb in that game on Saturday.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. And when you think about how well the Ravens defense have been playing, and you can really say still we're playing because the whole NFL team to 13 points, that's a tremendous accomplishment. They have been doing that week after week after week, and you can make the argument between them and the 49ers, who's playing better defense in the National Football League? So for us to eke out, squeeze out, pull out a win is tremendous, and again, against a, a Ravens team that's tough, and that also saw a situation where our special teams, you can make the argument outplayed their special teams, didn't see that happening as well, so... Very impressive, and though the numbers from the offensive standpoint, Ken, weren't prolific, you watched the game like I watched the game, and you walked away from experience saying, hey, you know what, Deshaun Watson is well on his way, because I'll reiterate it. He was going against one of the best defenses in the National Football League, and he's only played three games this season.
1: I wonder, because of the holiday, like, it, it was a very interesting thing, Gerard, because, you know, you had on Saturday morning... Yet twenty five million people in the country watch World Cup soccer, which it's the final. You're going to have that. Eight million people watch the Vikings game beforehand. Nine million people watch the Browns game. But I was listening to a couple of national pundits, and I I got to tell you, I think they only looked at the stat line. I think they only looked at the stat line and didn't look at the execution. I, I thought that no, it wasn't. This wasn't Kelly versus Marino Mm-mm. or anything like that. But I thought that Deshaun Watson played much better. Than what he did in the first two games, I thought he continued to grow in the in this third matchup here against the Ravens. And frankly, I think that anybody who watched the game came out thinking the same way. But people, I think, who just looked at the stat, at the stat line, I think they exposed themselves, Gerard. Because when you look at the stat lines for both quarterbacks, they're not overwhelming. But when you look at the game, when you watch the game, when you took when you took a look at the elements as well, I I, I was I certainly wasn't upset with anything that Deshaun Watson did back on Saturday, Gerard? No, not at all.
3: I thought at he played all. well. No, not at all. Now, Houston game, yeah, that was problematic to say the least because he was rustier than rust. So mm-hmm. I get if you watch that game, you make those type of comments and that was your commentary as a national pundit or even as a local one. But if you happen to really watch the game, there's no way if you know football that you walk away with that type of a expression and feeling that he did not play better. And again, Considering that he is in the deep end of the pool playing against one of the best defenses in the National Football League to show command, to show charisma, to show that he was able to take charge of this football team in those circumstances when he needed him to pick up the yards, he did just that. Now, granted, there were times, yes, when we fell behind the sticks, but that wasn't his fault at all. That was a guy holding here, a guy holding there, but I loved what I saw of Deshaun Watson. I definitely saw growth once again, and this time going against one of the better defenses in the National Football League.
1: And time to get the second down. Second down. All right, injury update for the Browns. Miles has not practiced this week due to an in- illness. You have John Johnson the third; He has not practiced this week with a thigh issue, has a contusion. Mm. Judevian Clowney remains a concussion protocol, and Nick Chubb didn't practice with a foot issue suffered in that Ravens game. Very worried about that foot issue in that ravens game there gerard nick chubbs had a wonderful season you want to be able to see him continue especially when we know that there's going to be some adverse weather coming up
3: uh for for sure and granted we're fortunate enough that this is where kareem Hunt and having him on the roster true <laughs> plays off tremendously because hey he is a first first tier 1a caliber running back so if nick doesn't have the ability to go due to the foot injury. I'm not concerned about it other than the fact that you want his services because that just adds to your arsenal, what you can utilize during the course of a game. So it's, it's not good to hear that, but it's not to be unexpected to hear that as well because when you play a physical football game, and that was a physical football game, and when you play in that type of weather, these type of things happen with guys either getting sick or guys feeling more of the bumps and bruises because when you get hit in the cold like that, it really hurts.
1: Uh, for the Saints... Jarvis Landry, he didn't practice today with an ankle injury. Chris Olave, he hasn't practiced all week with a hamstring injury. That could really hurt the Saints there, Gerard. Chris Olave has been a very nice rookie for the Saints. And our old buddy Jarvis Landry, boy, the, the injuries, you hate to say it, the injuries have just mounted up for him here in 2022, buddy.
3: Well, they certainly have, but to be frank with you, Ken, if you're a receiver in this game and if the weather holds true what they're saying is going to be, that doesn't concern me. And granted, lobby has been playing well. Jarvis oh, has had his you're moments. Right. You're right. But hey, it's, if, now if you tell me Kamara, if you tell me that Ingram, that you those know. two guys and in, and in, in, in Hill, Taysom Hill, and our plan, then I'm like, okay. <laughs> that gives me a more of a like, that's an advantage towards us. But the fact that you don't have receivers playing in this game really is not going to be that big of a deal in my mind, especially uh, if know, the weather holds true.
1: We go to third down with that. Third down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mentioned Chris Olave and I forgot the biggest storyline going into this one. And I mean it is. It is the weather coming up on Saturday. Browns are ready to embrace the cold. Are the Saints? Because we don't know how much it's going to snow. There's a conversation there. It's going to be cold, Geron. And and I was making a joke. You look like Shackleton getting ready to explore (laughs) Antarctica back on Saturday. I, I I mean you might look like Ralphie. You might want you that's no Randy. Plan. You might look like the brother. You might look like Randy from Christmas Story on Saturday, buddy boy. That's gonna be a cold one.
3: That is the plan to stay as warm as you possibly can. Let's see, right now in New Orleans, actually they got a little bit of cold for them. It's sixty it's fifty degrees right now in New Orleans. That's and cold that's, in New Orleans. And that's really cold in New Orleans. So that's actually almost a godsend for them for the practice outside. Now that will pale in comparison to potentially 8-degree or lower weather or below zero weather, mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. doubt about that. But ultimately, it's a mindset, and there's nothing you can do to get your mind right for it. It's going to be a shock to your system, and it'll probably take you a three quarters to finally say, okay, I'm in it, i got to deal with it. And the hard part about it is when you go in for halftime, yeah. especially if you're losing or it's a tight game, you're yeah. probably not going to want to come back out so, <laughs> on top of that.
1: So chicken broth, yes, no, yes. that work? Yes. I heard this. Anything okay.
3: that can heat up the eternal system, you do. Now, granted, they're not allowing alcohol on the football field, but if you could use chicken broth, use it.
1: Was that something, sup- did they use chicken broth when
3: you played? No, man, I, I can't stand the fact that all these home remedies and all these smart things that they're doing today, like giving the guys a snack at halftime, like a PB&J, <laughs> yeah. or giving guys caffeine, saying or it's water. okay. Or, or water. Well, they did give us water. I mean, I can't, uh, there was uh, an era when they didn't believe in that. Exactly, continue. there was an error for that. You don't get no water. And stuff. I mean, there certainly was an error for that. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they figured it out. Sports nutritionists had a heavy impact on football. So yes, give this because you're losing salt, even though you're you're cold sweating, you don't realize it. But you burn a lot of energy when it's cold like that. People don't realize it. They think, but well, nah you'll be exhausted after a game like that, more so than a hot game.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you, because I, I, I always I ask you every year, because we always have a, a really hot one and a really cold one every year. Which one's worse? Is it the extreme hot or the extreme cold? I always forget.
3: Extreme cold. Extreme cold. Now, depending on what time of the year you're playing a, a hot one, because early on, if it's a extreme hot one, you're not in shape, so that's going to mm-hmm. burn you out, but it's just nothing. I mean, you've got to run into people. Your fingers are going to get smashed. They're frozen. Your feet are frozen. And... That's hard to tackle with, the, with those considerations. Extremely hard to do your job.
1: You can't hide from it. Nowhere no, to go. No, you
3: can't.
1: Nowhere to go but indoors. Um, should <laughs> – this is a great question. Should David Njoku have to wear clothes for the pregame for his own health?
3: Considering that frostbite is for real. Yes. The hypothermia is for real. I yes. would say yes, but I already can tell you he's not going to do it. <laughs> I, I'm certain he won't. David, wear clothes. David. He's got something to prove, Ken. What? What is there left to prove? I'm tough.
1: I know he's tough. Everybody knows he's tough.
3: Oh, well, he wants to make sure you really know it because he comes out there shirtless. I'm like, you already proved it with me last no, week. No right, one's so. questioning it. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not questioning I it. I have been. No. Exactly. My goodness gracious. All right.
1: I, I, wor- I do worry about him. I hope he's not out there long with no shirt on.
3: Man, you right can't,
1: so. can't be out there with no shirt on. I'm going to be out
3: there with no shirt on. I promise he's you that.
1: He's got to. Come on. <laughs> David, you got to wear a shirt, sir. Please. Uh, fourth down. Fourth,
0: fourth down. down.
1: All right, real quick. Saints coming into town 5-9. Browns lead the all-time series 13-5. Uh, interesting factoid. Season started with Jameis Winston. Got two TDs to Michael Thomas and a close win. Both are out of the picture after the third game. You got... Who is this? Is this for real? Is this for real? Yes, it is Andy Dalton. Yes. What are you? Are you worried about the Red Rocket? Ah, Probably not weather. because of the weather,
3: but not because of weather. No. But if it was nice conditions, I watched the Falcons game, and they've got a really talented receiving squad. Man, they got some guys. Alave has been doing his thing. This guy named Shahid Rashid Shahid, he's a baller. Jarvis gets mixed in every now and then, and they got a tight mm-hmm. end that's really nice as well. So they got a really good receiving core, man. That. They could put in some work. So we're kind of, I mean, I, I like our secondary against anybody. But, yeah, having him limited, to Dalton's well, credit, last week he threw very well.
1: Andy Dalton's had a nice career. Yeah. I mean, he really has. Like, I, I think he's been fine. I, I think that, you know, I he had at one point when we were on the air together, I mean, he, he had an MVP October. Oh, yeah. And then he, he broke I'll his hand. That. Yeah, September yeah. and
3: October, he's always one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. Yep. And then yep. something just seems to happen where he tails off.
1: He has a nice career as a backup if he wants it. I, I I think there's going to be a couple more stops there if he really wants oh, for to. So. Sure. Sure. We'll talk more about the Saints throughout the hour. Got a lot more coming up in this show, obviously. A lot more good stuff coming up in this show. Want to make sure you stay with us and also want to tell you fans, mark your calendars, Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer. The first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium, February 18th. The Ohio State Buckeyes are going to host the Michigan Wolverines right here at First Energy Stadium. Tickets are on sale now. They start at just $12. For more information, visit First Energy Stadium dot com slash face off or simply give us a call four four zero eight nine one fifty fifty. That's four four zero eight nine one fifty fifty. Coming up next, Browns wide receiver Dalen Baldwin will give us a call. We'll talk to him about this Browns offense and how every time he's on the field, he just makes a play. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network win lose or draw if you don't play to the standard there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team and we're all trying to work to those goals
0: this is the cleveland browns preview show you're listening to the university hospital's cleveland browns radio network here are your hosts ken Carmen and gerard cherry
1: Browns fans, be sure to stop by the free Twisted T-Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. The Twisted T-Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music and food and drink options. The Twisted T-Tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. Browns and Saints coming up at First Energy Stadium on Saturday, a 1 p.m. kickoff. Jim Donovan, Nathan Zagura, and Gerard Cherry will be on the call. You'll be able to talk to Jim, or will be able to talk to Jim, coming up here in a little bit after we go around the league. Gerard, you know, a big game. Weather's a big factor in it. We'll talk about that, obviously. But Saints coming into this, you know, one of the big conversations here, and I'm not trying to put the mouth on the Saints or anything like that, Mm -hmm. not trying to be nasty or mean-spirited, but – there's been a big conversation about that NFC South where the Saints are 5-9, and nine and they're still right in the thick of things. Carolina's in the thick of things right now. Tampa Bay's right there at the top of things. I mean, there's a lot of different conversations to be had about the NFC South. Do you think, though, that it's maybe an overreaction because the South has not been quality? It seems like every year there's – it's a cyclical thing, and it seems like every year there's one division that just – isn't up to snuff with the other ones?
3: Ah, that's a good question because I'm not sure how to qualify overreaction because when you think about what's taking place this year, it was clear and present that last year the worst conference in my mind was the NFC East, right? Yes, yes. And you would make the argument this year that's the best conference in the NFL potentially. Well, but that, that's,
1: that's what I'm saying. Like when mm-hmm. people look at conferences and they go, ah, oh, this is a terrible conference. Or excuse me, a, d- a division, division, I should say. Right. And I go, well, it's just cyclical. I, I like – and I think for a long time, you look at where the Browns were in the AFC North. Now, this year, it's it's been, I think, a little bit different because of injuries there. But it's been the top division or one of the two top divisions in the NFL for quite some time. It goes without saying that at one year, there's going to have to be a time where it's not the very best division in football. But it seems that the NFC South... The AFC South, the NFC East. I remember at one time, remember, before you and I were even on air together, when what, the, the, the Seattle Seahawks rolled into the playoffs at 7-9 and nine in a what we called bad NFC West. It feels like heresy to say that the NFC West is a bad division anymore. I, I just think it's a little bit of an overreaction.
3: Right, and, and you're right. There's an ebb and flow to it because some years, now we're talking from a conference perspective, AFC is more dominant, the NFC is more dominant. But mm-hmm. from a divisional standpoint, it's hard to make that assessment because of what we just experienced. Because, again, the NFC East was horrible last year in my mind. granted, Yeah, the Eagles well, it wasn't your mind. It
1: was everyone's mind. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I
3: mean, they eked into the playoffs and didn't do much of anything. But look at them this year. So it switches up. And maybe because of the poor play and the disrespect that these teams get in the off season, that makes guys hungry again because they don't want to hear the ridicule. So that might be – what plays a part in it? Because ultimately we know this. Guys are highly talented, but mm-hmm. are they highly motivated? And are they well coached? And if you start getting those things, you're more than likely going to win football games.
1: Well, I, I tell you, I, I got to look at it in a couple of different ways here with that division and how difficult it is because is Jay- I want to remember. Now, I like Jalen Hurts. Is Jalen Hurts in year two or year three?
3: I believe he's in year, I, I want to say three. because.
1: I want to say he's in year three, but he might be in just year two it as might a be full-time year starter, year two. right? I want to say he's in year two as a full-time starter. Starter, right. They, yeah, because you look at where the NFC East was last year. They jettisoned their coach last year with the Giants. Then they bring in Brian Dayball. Mm-hmm. New look, new feel. I think that's a team that's overachieving this year. Now, they're going to have some changes they have coming up. Uh, the Commanders are in a much better position than what I think a lot of people thought that they would be. Jalen Hurts is in his third year. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think a lot of people think that the Commanders are in a much better position than we thought they were going to be. The the Cowboys, you can't count on them year to year. One year they're five and te- or 5 and eleven, five and twelve, and the next year they're doing really well. And even this year, I mean, at right. ten and four, it's going into the record. weekend, right? Yeah, but a lot of people don't take them that seriously. How a lot can of people you though,
3: are they how they lost to Jacksonville? You can't exactly but, exactly. But here's the thing, though, that we also have to put out there is that this time of year, that's games. 13 in particular uh-huh. 14 those are the hardest games because it's almost like where are we I mean and a lot of times especially if you have a a, a divisional rival on the horizon like the Cowboys have with the Eagles this weekend yeah I can see how you look past the Jacksonville and start saying I'm gonna save myself because they dominate that game for the most part Ken and then decide to give it away
1: oh I I, I totally agree with you with that and and I mean, haven't you found the Cowboys to be guilty of something like that in the past? We'll talk more about them coming up in around the league. Looking at the Browns, how did you think – I know you gave Deion Jones your game ball, the linebacker Deion Jones. How impressed were you with the linebackers considering, you know, they're, they're a bunch of new guys, there's there's not a lot of practice time. I mean, the Browns have had four linebackers total go on IR, and each one has been a, a big loss in their own right, Gerard.
3: Yeah, and that's and the that's deal. One of the reasons why I gave it up because – And granted, it's hard to give that up when you amass nearly 200 yards on the ground, but it wasn't just the linebackers at fault with that. And one of the things that we still have to do better as a defense is that you can't allow one guy to block you. I don't care if he is a guard on a linebacker or a guard on a safety. You have to defeat that block and make the play. And that just has to be the case. You can't allow one person to block you. You get paid handsomely for a reason. However, we've had obviously issues and problems in the center of our defense and for those guys to go out there and ultimately, I felt, shut them down when they need to make a big play, when they need a, a stop on third down or fourth down, they did that. So bend but don't break sometimes works. And on Sunday, on Saturday, rather, it certainly did. And I think Jones and company and other guys along with Fields and other people who played a part in that helped the cause.
1: Running game is going to be a premium coming up on Woo-hoo. Saturday. You know everything. it and I know it. Now we, we'll see if Nick Chubb's able to go. We hope he's able to go. If not, Kareem Hunt. Uh Jerome Ford uh will be a part of that and, and Dearness Johnson to be a part of that as well. I know you're a big fan of Dearness Johnson. What if they can get Ethan Posick back? I mean he was Nathan I believe told us he was the number two center in in, in pro football focus. Football, football, right. Yeah. He's been he's been one of the premier centers uh in the league. If they can get him back, how much does that change that rushing attack for the Browns?
3: Uh I don't it's 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 interesting. Ken, in this regard, you just started getting a rhythm with Froholt and Watson. And so now to work, Pocic, who's, who's better at it than Froholt? But again, I'm not taking away from Froholt saying that. Of course, yeah. Because, I, mean, I mean, Postick was on his way to the Pro Bowl. He certainly was, no doubt about it. I mean, week in and week out, he was dominating and doing things that just made our running game special. And then when he went away, you saw the running game do what? Go down.
1: I I think that part of it, like last week, you know, watching the Ravens game, it's going to be, it's, it's difficult to say it because I've, I've liked, I've really, I've liked what, hold off on that conversation for just a moment. Let's go to the hotline. We'll have a quick conversation with Browns wide receiver, Dalen Baldwin, who joins us right now on the show. Dalen, thanks for joining us.
4: How you doing? Thank you. Thank you for having
1: me. Dalen. we're glad to have you here. Can you tell us, your story i mean a transfer you go to michigan you're from you're from fcs you go to michigan you're there for a year you're now in the nfl can, can you tell us that story from southfield michigan all the way now to to cleveland ohio and in on an nfl roster
4: oh man all right it's it's a bit of a long one but um just starting at, uh well start from football my first like 7 years of football i actually played offensive defensive line, linebacker. So I never really played receiver um before I got to high school. My first snap ever receiver was in high school. So I was at Farmington uh Farmington High for three years. Um had a little bit of success there. Very little, very minute. I was really working just really just working hard. Met some mm-hmm. good guys on the way like David Reese, um, who played who played at Florida. So just some guys like uh, like mentored me and kinda like helped me push forward a little bit. Um shortly after that, um I transferred to water from my high school. Had an all-right senior year and still ended up with one offer, one division one offer from Morgan State. And um, that's where I went out of high school. So I went to Morgan State of High School. I was there for two years. Um, my, very, once again, very little success um, there, like, like 200 or 300 yards in total my, my first two years there. Um, I had three coaches while I was there. After my second coach left, I left, and I went to um, – jackson state i went down there with my wide right receiver coach coach ron dickerson uh going down there was was, uh, was pretty uh pretty different experience um i did have to sit on my first year so i didn't play so i was just working hard training lifting lifting crazy like four four three or four times a week during the season because i had nothing else to do down there and um my coach actually gets fired so i never get to play for the person i actually followed down to jackson state I never got to play it down for him. And uh, shortly after, uh, Deion Sanders gets hired, and I'm excited. I'm like, all right, cool. This is this is definitely going to be an opportunity because he's going to bring a lot of attention. So,
1: um, How many times – can I ask I'm you sorry, real go quick, Dalen. How many times when you mention Deion Sanders in an interview, does it just turn into Coach Prime?
4: <laughs> Man, it, it, it's, been, it's been quite a few. I just – I really <laughs> – I don't try to shy away from it, but it is like – I just try to like go ahead fly past it, so it happens
1: quite often, though.
3: <laughs> go ahead, right, I'm right sure I keep going, man. I'm into the story.
1: Yeah, <laughs> tell tell us about Michigan, yeah. there, Dalen, if you can. Right.
3: Yeah, so I was
4: I was I was about literally about to get to it. So I uh, played a season at Jackson State. I had 600. I had 570 and like seven touchdowns in six games. Had a really good season there. Uh, spring season. It was a spring right after COVID. Because everybody's season got pushed back, so yeah. after that, uh, I had, I had the to transfer to portal. I get recruited by Ohio State, Penn State, all the bigger schools. Then when they offered me, everybody started offering me. So like in a two week span, everybody in the country was trying to call me and have me come visit. I ended up choosing Michigan after I had went. I knew one of the coaches there, uh, Coach Ryan Bellamy. I knew him already, and it just seemed like a good fit. and I was close, uh, close back to home. Uh, there, uh, I went through some ups and downs. There, um, the the difference between how smaller schools are, are pre- like practice and everything is a little different for it was a little different for me personally knowing that like just coming from uh, smaller schools like Morgan State and going to Michigan the different practice was different so it was ups and downs of just like getting through practice even sometimes then the, how every how everybody wanted how the coaches wanted things it was just a little different for me so I had some ups and downs I played I didn't play as much as I would, would have liked to for sure then um also we weren't were not run heavy team so I didn't get the stats that I wanted or anything. Then from there on out, I just kind of just kept my head down, kept working. Once I uh, once the draft process was over and the draft ended, uh, two days later or three days later, I got signed. Um, I went to a rookie minicamp with the Giants for three days. They didn't keep me. They didn't pretty, really keep anybody. And um, shortly after that, probably like I was at home for about a good two months. Then um, Cleveland called me for a workout, and I just kind of didn't look back. It was about a weekend to camp. Uh, once I came in, um, they, I did real well during the preseason and, uh, I actually got an injury, which I actually thought I was going to get cut. I had a, a concussion during the Eagles, like after we played the Eagles at the end of the Eagles game, I got a concussion. I thought I was going to get cut. Like just I was talking to my mom, like I was like sad and everything and ended up working out for the best and I, and I ended up getting a spot on the practice squad from, from there just take, try, just trying to take advantage of my opportunities.
3: And, and Daylin, one thing going back to your college career, and I I I call college games, so I'll see an FCS versus an FBS school games take place, and I'm always of the thought that really the difference between the two, if you throw HBCU in there, is that the offensive and defensive linemen are bigger on Division One level. You agree with that assessment? Because I think you got guys that can cover and you got guys that can catch on the level Definitely. that you play for. I mean, is, I is that a fair I would assessment? Agree with that. Yes, I would agree with that. The The difference between the difference between any teams
4: or anything is the attention to detail, though. That would be the biggest thing coming from a smaller school, the attention to detail. There's mm-hmm. a name. Like when I was at Michigan, there was a name for every little technique. The attention to detail is, is the difference between winning and losing. So that's the difference between being a good and a great team. You know
1: what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Dale but that was Baldwin. another big difference. Dalen, we can't thank you enough for the time. I I know you're pressed. I know we're pressed. We wish you every bit of success. Every time you're on the field, you're making a play. So we're looking forward to seeing what you're doing in the future. Happy holidays to you. Happy
4: holidays to you as well. You have a
1: great night. You too. Dalen Baldwin joining us on the hotline. Fantastic stuff to hear from him. What a wonderful young man, and what a wonderful story that is. Fans, be a part of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. We'll go around the league when we come back. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns preview show on the University Hospitals. Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
4: This is Browns kicker, Kay York. This is Browns quarterback, Sean Watson.
3: This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns.
1: Browns fans, get to First Energy Stadium quicker on Saturday with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win a Browns autograph item. Go to the tickets tab of the Browns mobile app to learn more. All right, Gerard, we have to go rapid fire. Away we go. First off, what was more incredible, the Colts blowing a 33-point lead against the Vikings or the Patriots blowing the end of the game against the Raiders? <laughs>
3: Recency bias. Patriots, Ooh. that play right Ooh. there will go down into history as one of the most asinine, make no sense, <laughs> doing too much at one time, plays in NFL history. Still don't, I mean, the guy took I mean, he took the blame, but gosh, how do you make that decision? I still don't get it.
1: Very poorly. You make it very poorly. You make a very poor, hurried, rushed decision. I, I, you know, I, I got to blame Jacoby Myers. He's the one who did it. Yeah. Ultimately. What was Ramadre Stevenson doing just pitching it off? Because at that point, it. I, I swear to you. Now, I'm, I've i never been on the field in that, like in an NFL capacity, obviously. Uh-huh. But what I'm thinking is the second Ramadre Stevenson tosses it to Jacoby Myers <laughs> It turns everything off. It turns, hey, right. this is a tie ball game. Ooh, let's have some it fun. It turns that off. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, to that point, like, if you're down by one, have at it. But I I think when he pitched it back, I think everybody just lost their heads.
3: Right. For a moment. I, and you know what? I never thought from that angle, kid. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You just, a light bubbled off of my head. So, there, so, when a mental shift took place, said, okay, if he's pitching this, because you know how J.R. Smith said that he, for the life of him, thought the score was one thing when it wasn't? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that same phenomenon must have taken place where they're like, "Okay, we must be trailing it because he just pitched the ball to me because it exactly. was not. It made no sense for him to pitch the ball to him."
1: You're you just going because you've done this. I'm sure Jacoby Myers has been in that situation before. You're just in scramble mode, right? And you don't think. And then if you're down by one and you toss it back and Chandler Jones is there, whatever. But it's a tie game, and remember it might have felt like it was already like you were down because of the terrible call that happened beforehand to tie the game up in the first place. So it, I, I can't, it was just, it was spellbound. I do know some Raiders fans, and I said, okay, well, you guys have had terrible luck all year. At least you had some luck. (laughs) So there you go. And that is a very quick segment of Around the League. We'll do it a little bit longer coming up next week. But joining us next, the great one, Jim Donovan will join us on the show. We'll take a look back at the Ravens game and the win over Baltimore and look ahead to a cold, hopeful victory against the New Orleans Saints on Saturday. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospitals, Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carman
1: and Gerard Cherry. Kickoff's at 1 p.m. on Saturday, but we'll be on the air with you coming up at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Browns game day, myself and Gerard Cherry. The man on the call for the 1 p.m. kickoff, Jim Donovan, who joins us right now on the hotline for the Browns and the Saints coming up this week. Jim, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Good to be with you. Wonderful to talk to you, Jim. First off, we've got to go over that win over the Baltimore Ravens. Nicely done on the ground with Nick Chubb. Nicely done, you know, getting the job done with Deshaun Watson. Defensively, getting the job done against Tyler Huntley. What did you see down there on the field?
2: Yeah, I I have to tell you, Ken, I I didn't know what to expect going into the game. I mean, you wonder, you know, in the after effects of the Cincinnati loss, how are the Browns going to play? And I knew Baltimore coming into the game, really needed the game because they're in that tight race in the AFC North with the Bengals, Um, but the Browns came out, and I thought defensively, though they gave up rushing yardage, but everybody is giving up rushing yardage because the Ravens are really good running the football. But when it came time to make a play, whether it's on third down or come up with a big play like Denzel Ward's interception and John Johnson the third's fumble recovery, they were right there and did it. And I think offensively, they just did enough. You know, they didn't turn the ball over. Uh, I thought Deshaun Watson down the stretch kind of nursed the lead the right way, handled the offense very well. And the really good sign late in that ball game was to see the Browns' running game really click again because it's been missing for various reasons the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, they ran out the clock, and that's a really good feeling.
3: And, Jim, one could argue since Deshaun Watson's return, the defense, the special teams, has been playing better. Can you attribute that to Deshaun Watson's presence or just simply these guys are starting to figure some things out? How do you see it?
2: Well, yeah, I don't know sure right. That's good. It's taken a long time for them to figure it out. I'm glad if they have. Uh, they're finally there. I think everybody has been a little bit more on point uh, with Deshaun Watson coming in. I think there was a level of excitement, and I think everybody wanted his appearance as the Browns' starting quarterback to go well. So suddenly, I mean, the defense is playing well. I mean, they did really well down in Houston. And I think for the most part played very well in Cincinnati. The special teams came up with a big day in Houston. They came up with a blocked field goal in the game against the Ravens and, uh, you know, did a really good job, I think, in that game too. So I think team-wide, I think everybody is really on point to play a little bit better. Plus, I think they realize that, you know, Sunday's are and now Saturdays, you know, they're getting few. uh, You know, we're getting scarce at the end of the season here, and everybody wants to improve this record.
3: And, Jim, it's no secret the weather is supposed to be horrific on Saturday. With (laughs) that in mind, it's just simply come down to, one, can the Saints adjust to the weather? And it's 50 degrees right now in New Orleans, so they're getting some semblance of what they would consider cold weather. But at the same time, Is this going to simply be an old-fashioned, who can run the football better and not make mistakes type of a game in your mind? You know, I think
2: so, Gerard. I really do. I think it's ball security, run the football. Um, I think, you know, when they come out for their pregame warm-up, they'll get a pretty good idea of what they're going to be able to do in the passing game and what they're going to be able to do in the kicking game, uh, which, you know, you wonder, is that just going to be wiped out completely because – with the, you know, the wind gusts that they're talking about and forecasting for Saturday, I mean, I just can't imagine being able to really kick the ball that far. And, you know, even if you have it with the wind, I mean, and with the temperatures being what they're forecasting, that ball must, it it, it has to feel like a rock at that point in time. So I really think it's back to the basics. I really do run the football uh, and ball security. Don't turn the ball over. And if you can do that, you probably have a fighting chance to do this. As for the Saints, I don't know. I mean, the amazing thing coming into the game, which is the une- unevenness and maybe the beauty of the NFL, that a team five and nine at this stage of the season, which the Saints are, and they're only a game out of first place in their division.
1: I was going to ask, do you think that's an overtalked about or overrated thing about how bad like a division is year to year? Because there's people going, "Well, the NFC South is the worst division we've seen." I go, "Yeah, until next year." And we yeah. need something to talk about at this time of year, Jim.
2: Yeah, I think so, Ken. I I think like everything else, it becomes cyclical. And, um, you know, they don't have a dominant team right now, and I think everybody thought that Tampa Bay would be that kind of team, that they'd be able to really run away with that division, and they're not doing it. And You know, maybe they might limp to the finish line. But I remember a couple of years ago, out in the West on the NFC, and I think it was when Pat Shermer, just before he became the head coach of the Browns, and he was the offensive coordinator with the St. Louis Rams. And they went into a final Sunday night game of the regular season playing the Seattle Seahawks. Winner won the title. And I think no matter who won, they still ended with a losing record. But they hosted a first-round playoff game because they were a division winner. And a really good Saints team went up to Seattle with Drew Brees and Marshawn Lynch. Marshall Lynch ran all over them and upset the Saints in that game. So you just never know what's going to happen. But I think the division thing, you know, it's just cyclical right now, and they're all a little bit down in that division.
1: Will you close the windows on Saturday?
2: Ah, yes. I, yeah, I don't think so.
1: I really what? don't. I, yeah, uh, uh, I don't uh, think uh, so. Why not? Yeah, I,
2: I have to tell you, Ken, I would, um, I would hate to have the game sound like I'm doing it from my living room. Uh, and it, and and I feel very cut off if there is a window in the booth and it's down. And there is a window. There, the booth at Arrowhead Stadium, since they've redesigned the press box there, it is all windowed in. And though you hang a crowd mic out or maybe two crowd mics out and you pick up the parabolics from the network feed, you just don't feel like you're in the game when you're cut off from the outside. So I'm I'm voting. Um, that the window stays open for the game on Saturday.
1: No, there ain't no vote. You're the boss because Jason Gibbs, <laughs> producer, goes, hey, ask Jim tonight and see, <laughs> see maybe if he'll do it or not, see if he'll keep the windows closed. So, all right, everybody's going to be out in the elements. Jim, we thank you so much for the time. We're looking forward to talking to you on Saturday morning. All the best.
2: Thanks, Kent Gerard, I'm looking forward to seeing your outfit. It should be a beautiful one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great Jim Donovan, I'm sure Gerard is going to be giving Wayne Fonts a run for his money down there on the sidelines. Coming up next, we'll put the finishing touches on this. We'll tell you what's coming up on Thursday and tell you what's coming up on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday morning as we get you ready for the Browns and Saints from First Energy Stadium. You're listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Win, lose, or draw. If you don't play to the standard, there's corrections to be made and there's things to be done that are going to benefit the team and we're all trying to work to those goals.
0: This is the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Ken Carmen and Gerard Cherry.
1: Saturdays today, 9 a.m. Browns game day. Gerard, Cherry, and myself. 11 a.m. Browns kickoff show with myself, Andy Basket, and Tyvis Powell. Then 1 p.m. kickoff with Jim, Nathan, and Gerard from First Energy Stadium. Fans, make sure you tune in Thursday night, 7 p.m. The Kevin Stefanski show. All along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network, it'll be coach and Browns punter Corey Bohorquez who will be joining Nathan Zgura and Gerard as the guys countdown to Saturday's matchup against the Saints. Gerard. What are we looking forward to in this game on Saturday?
3: It's really simple, the impact of the weather. That's what we're looking forward to, to see how much of a factor it's going to be because it almost supersedes the game itself. All your calls, all your adjustments, your mental makeup is going to be more concerned about the weather than your opponent. Think about that, Ken, how rare that is.
1: It is going to be something where it's, it's such a dramatic distraction and i don't even know if it's a distraction i think it's i think it's an opponent i think i think the weather itself is, a, is an opponent in this isn't it Gerard? i mean yeah exactly this, is,
3: Two front this war. is the
1: stuff of legends yeah i mean you're playing against the weather and i think i mean honestly you're playing against your own your own will in, in a game like this i mean this this is the type of games that will make you quit um freezing outside dreadfully dreadfully cold wind's going to be whipping at about 60 miles an hour, I mean, this is just – I mean, there are guys here who are from the SEC who have never experienced cold like this. And, Gerard, they may never experience cold like this ever again, depending no. on how their careers may work out. I mean, this is going to be something – Or in life. <laughs> exactly. You know what? You're right about that. I mean, this is this this is something that, that, that is dramatic. I mean, you've been here for a while. You've experienced it. I, I, I'm born here. I, I, I've experienced it my entire life, usually – Usually you get about one one week where it's like below brutal. zero in a February, right. but man, not not all right on Christmas Eve. This is going to be a, this is going to be an interesting situation coming up here. I say run the football uh, if it can't be Nick Chubb, we hope it can be Nick Chubb. But if it can't be Nick Chubb, I think it's I, th- I think it would be safe to say Kareem Hunt is going to yes. get a nice amount of carries. Uh, Dearness Johnson to get a nice amount of carries, and we'll see what the rookie uh, uh, Jerome Ford could do. He's been nice in the kick return game. And the fifth-round pick, he's been well-coached out of Cincinnati. He's been well-coached here with the Browns with Stump Mitchell. We'll see what he can do in this football game coming up on Saturday. Gerard, defensively reading those keys, they're going to be trying to run the football at you as well. So at least we might not be out in the elements for very long because that clock's going to be moving.
3: And You know what? I'll encourage it. I want the cleanest football game that's ever been played in life. No timeouts. No No timeouts, timeouts, no penalties, and run the ball. No penalties. No penalties. (laughs) Matter of fact, don't even take – commercial breaks anything
1: above (laughs) anything above the belt is fair game we will be talking to everybody coming up at 9 a.m browns game day with gerard cherry and i then 11 a.m it'll be the Browns kickoff show 1 p.m kickoff with jim nathan and gerard make sure you're listening thursday night 7 p.m the kevin stefanski show coach and punter Corey behorkes with nathan and gerard a big thanks to our executive producer jason gibbs always doing fantastic technical producer meredith kane and associate producer connor lawrence for my good buddy Gerard Cherry, I'm Ken Carman. Thank you for listening to the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network.
0: You've been listening to the Cleveland Browns Preview Show. Join us next week for more behind-the-scenes Browns news from Berea. We always look at each game as how do we win this game and what does this game call for. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Hi-hi! is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.